Hey, thanks for joining us for episode two of Pull Up a Chair podcast. And uh, just let me remind you as we get down and start having this conversation that the views that we share here today may not necessarily reflect my views nor the views of Aldersgate Church. Uh, We're pulling up a chair and engaging in some uh, intense conversations. And uh, man, we are blessed today. To have as our guest, Rustin Klafka. Man, Rustin, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, so uh, Rustin, tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days. Uh, so I'm making the transition out of coaching at a high school to owning and operating my own training facility. I've been doing it, doing both, I guess, for the last three or four years. Yeah. And then peak movement, job. right? Called peak movement. Peak movement, yeah. It's on the south side of Lubbock, so I get kids from, man, the summer we had kids driving in from Denver City and Plainview. And then ton of Lubbock Cooper, Friendship Kids, uh, Coronado, Monterey. So the Lubbock area is well represented there. Yeah. And then surrounding communities too. So it's yeah. pretty neat. So we'll give you a plug here. So if anybody's interested in peak <laughs> movement, where do they find you? Uh, we're at 5614, 126th. So just off of 1585 in Chicago. Yeah. And you got a website too, right? Got a website, yeah. Most of, most of everything I do is on Instagram. Okay. And then just clinks in with yeah, so Facebook and Twitter. Peak movement on Instagram. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do good stuff and transitions hard, but um, it's good. It'll be good. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I asked you to come in today, Russ, and I, I want, we want to talk faith today. So, um, uh, and, and that may, may be kind of an ambiguous word sometimes. So uh, right. <laughs> let, let's start here. So uh, let, can you kind of share your faith journey with us? Uh, just, if we were to step back and take a snapshot of Rustin Klafka's life, what, like, what's your what's your faith journey? What's your yeah, journey so with God? Like a faith journey with God. So like a two-minute version is I kind of grew up in the church, in and out of the church, so to speak, or in and out of faith. Uh, went to VBSs, that sort of thing, but was never a regular. So is it uh, fair to attendee. say it was kind of a like, hey, my parents are kind of making me do this right now or? Yeah, at times. It, it was more like a community-driven thing. So if like it was a community event we would be there yeah um and then did the altar call at vbs when i was eight didn't really know what i was doing now looking back yeah so was it one of those things where like a lot of kids were doing the (laughs) altar call kind of thing yeah i think so from what i can remember i I can barely remember i can still see first baptist church lorenzo like what it looked like (laughs) uh and so i know i did it i don't really understand why i did it but i did it uh i was baptized shortly after or a couple of weeks after, whatever the standard protocol was then. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, it was just a normal kid after that, like attended like Bible studies and disciple nows and that sort of thing growing up. And so there was always this presence of, you know, a God figure in my life, I guess you could say. And it was definitely the Christian aspect. Um, and then in college is when I would probably say that I had my transition to like full full on like, hey, let's go for it in this belief thing and really chased and studied. Like I changed my major, changed schools, changed basically everything in my life so that I could pursue uh, a degree in ministry and got a biblical studies degree. And was, I mean, I was all for the more I can learn, the better of, of anything spiritual. Yeah which is pretty awesome. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So like, was it an individual journey? Were you in community with, with other Christ followers or Christians? Yeah, I think, I think the community, like I had good friends from high school that, that I knew that had already made, I guess, a a change in their lives in terms of how they're living, like a more Christ-like life. Um, And that got me there. And then after that, it was very, 
it was very, I guess it was both, but it was, it was kind of went in these waves of very individual and then very community driven and then up and down. Um, and so it, it probably the way I learned best in college was individual just through study and learning how to study scriptures and context and history. And I mean, you know what that stuff is like Greek yeah. and Hebrew and yeah. Well, no, I don't really know. How my, <laughs> I was just joking with someone the other day. Uh, I had one semester of Greek and Hebrew in seminary. So it's like, no, I don't know anything about yeah. it. <laughs> what, uh, where was the church at that time in your life? So how instrumental was the church in that part of your spiritual journey? Um, in college, I really didn't have a church home. Like it, it was more, there was a BSM there, Baptist Student Missions yeah. Center. Yeah. And the guy that ran it became a mentor of mine, Brian, and he was awesome. Like he, he really did. He really uh, probably established a lot of the way that I began to move and, and learn and believe at that time. And so it was more of a community-based like college program that, that probably kept me in the system, so to speak. And so from there I went on after college and started looking for jobs in a church because I wanted to be like, since I made my transition in college, that's when I wanted, that's where I wanted to focus. I think that's pretty common. Yeah. You know, people that kind of make the shift in youth, like that youth ministry often go into youth ministry and it's weird how that works. But yeah. so I wanted to pour into college students uh, and got a job in the Dallas Metroplex doing college ministry and young adults, like 20 somethings. So transition there. And then it became a church, but then that was a whole different beast because yeah. then I wasn't, I moved from, um, moved from an attendee to like a leader and that shifted everything. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk good first. How did okay. it shift things good? Mm, good. It really, it really helped me. Um, I knew people were looking to me for not just leadership, but spiritual leadership, which was very scary. Um, and so it carried a lot of weight. And so it, it probably encouraged me to dive deeper into my understanding of scripture and just how to lead people and why people maybe made decisions the way that they did. And so I really started diving into how people process and think and work through things in our own mm. brains so that I could better counsel people, so to speak. Because yeah. a lot of my ministry there in Dallas was uh, just hanging out with people and walking through life circumstances that were good and bad, but yeah, yeah, that's a good, that was a fun stuff. Yes. Good's always fun, right? right. So <laughs> it's true. It's very true. <laughs> how did, how, okay. You said good and bad. So <laughs> let's talk some about the bad, uh, bad. I would say I got to see behind the veil, you know, like, yeah, got to see the, how the wizard of Oz yeah. kind of functions, you know, that whole <laughs> thing. And so, um, it didn't, it didn't always line up with, the way I saw scripture working or the way I viewed scripture, or the way I interpreted things within scripture. And so that was disheartening a lot. Like I struggled in that area. Like I struggled being on staff um, consistently. Like it was a, it was this weird, I loved it. And then I would struggle with decisions that were made or why decisions were made the way that they were. And so it was a, yeah, that was tough. So yeah. that was the bad scene seeing the reasoning behind decisions was probably the hardest for me because yeah. then I got to see where people's agendas and hearts really were, mm -hmm. not the way they presented them to be. 
<laughs> and so, yeah, it was tough. So what, what did that do uh, for your own personal spiritual journey? Like when you began to, because I've heard that said before, like the Wizard of Oz getting on. I mean, sure. I've, I've always heard people say, look, if you really want to get a bad taste of the church in your mouth and get on church leadership somewhere. So mm. like what did that do for your personal spiritual journey? Uh, see, I think it was, I, I don't think it was all bad though. I, I think I did see and I did hear people's hearts that were incredibly encouraging. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we maybe only remember the negative or that's what sticks out the most. Um, so I don't, I don't want it to be, I don't want it to sound like everything was terrible. Um, but in my circumstance and the way that it kind of rolled down with me was, uh, in the end, like when I walked away from ministry or walked away from faith ministry, the church, all of it, it was terrible just because I'd, uh, been on a, led a mission trip to Guatemala and then came home, uh, to find, <laughs> to find, uh, to find out that church leadership had been checking tithing numbers and I didn't tithe enough. And so it, it started this whole huge three week that seemed like a three month process of me. Uh, leaving the church. Yeah. So we so went from a, great to not so good. Yeah. We could, we could do a whole nother podcast or two <laughs> on the topic of tithing. Right. So, Correct, yeah. uh, so uh, you said it kind of instigated your journey of, of leaving, uh, I think you said your faith and, yeah, and the church. Yeah. yeah. So can you kind of unwrap that for us? And, and like, what, what was that journey like for you? Like what you, you went from, mm. This this deep spiritual pursuit in college yeah. to to literally like like almost kind of walking away from it so fully walking away so like and this is something that most most people like most even family don't don't know because I didn't want them to know okay, we'll make sure they're not listening to yeah, the okay. podcast we'll, <laughs> so censor all of this uh, no it's fine now um, but yeah I mean I walked away from faith like completely, like I, I decided, well, a couple of things, the way, just because of the way things shook down with me transitioning out of the church, um, and the way that they asked me to do some things I didn't fully agree with. And then the way it was represented when I left the church was not great. Like it was like, essentially from the pulpit, they said that I was leaving to pursue other ministry opportunities, which it wasn't. They had let me go because I wasn't tithing enough mm. or wasn't tithing enough in a way that was trackable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, which is fine. Uh, I can say it's fine now that I look back at it. And, and so, but at the time, you know, those people were the people that I um, looked to for leadership and mentorship. And those were the people that I felt most represented Christ. Yeah. And if that's the way that it was going to be, I had to walk like, and I'm an all or nothing personality in general. That's the way my brain functions, good and bad. And so me walking away from it all. Uh, yeah. I mean, I walked away from the church. I didn't go back into a church. Jeez. Probably until Larray got a job here. <laughs> yeah. And, and even then it was sporadic because it just had such a hard view of, because I, because I had studied so much, my criticism is probably deeper and harder, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. For, yeah. And it's not always good. Yeah. And I think that's where um, I was trying to take you was because your yeah. pursuit in college was such a deep pursuit. It was everything. Yeah. I mean, that's all I, that's all I read. It's all I studied. It was, yeah. I mean, it was for, gosh, 
probably eight years of my life, I went down. Yeah. So is, is it kind of fair to say then that some of the people in your life at that time when you were on staff as a church, you, you viewed them as um, kind of uh, people who represented Christ or spiritual sure. mentors, and then there became this disconnect between them and what your study was what had been all about. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know there were there were instances when I was on staff that I could see it coming. Maybe now that I look back, like just within that church, so to speak, like I. I hate making generalized like the church because right. I know not all churches are all Christians or one way, but um, yeah, it, it it was definitely something that it was tough for me to maybe swallow some things that were that were done or said or even after like the things that people said to us and that we went through making the transition out of the church. Um, because I didn't tell, I didn't reveal to people who are in that community what happened exactly because I was scared it would hurt the community as right. a whole. And so that ended up hurting me and the family and friendships. Um, and so that was tough on me because I was making this decision for people that I thought should have probably just been honest in the first place. Yeah. And now I'm taking the brunt of their dishonesty. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it definitely put a taste in my mouth for spiritual leaders within Christianity that wasn't good. And that's why, I mean, that's the big, probably the big push on why I said, okay, I got to get away from Christianity as a whole. And yeah. so I just, I, I just did away with everything. Yeah. And, I, and I really did. Like, I mean, I was, I was very atheistic, if not atheist for years after that. I was completely happy. Yeah. Not at first, but yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate your vulnerability on that. And I, 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 th I think, and I also appreciate you saying, hey, I'm not trying to generalize across the church, but this was right. my experience. But I also think, and do you agree with this, that uh, so many people could sit across this table and share the same story. A few of the chapters may be different, but there's 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 been an instigating factor in their life somewhere along the way, uh, a harm done by the church or leaders in the church that have caused them to walk away from the church, and if not just away from the church, away from faith as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the short answer to that is yes, absolutely. I've had had a ton of conversations with people after, like after walking away, that that were very similar to mine. Um, and and then I think you start to notice how people are probably harmed spiritually by things that shake out. Um, but I mean, I, th I think there's like after I began reconstructing faith, I think I started looking into, and even when you text me about the podcast, I started thinking of, man, I don't want to think about all the things the church says wrong. I really like to get to the root of maybe where it's the system is failing itself. Yeah. Cause I, I think, I think the church and there are churches out there and there are people out there that are doing incredible things. Like they're absolutely changing the world. Um, I also think they're, atheists that are probably doing incredible things. Not probably. I know atheists that are amazing people and doing more for, um, you know, social injustice and that sort of thing than a majority of believers, mm. which is crazy. Yeah. You know, but what walk us through reconstructing your faith and, and what that looks like. So you still you, happening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you kind of, you, you walk away from the church, really walk away from your faith with, with that woundedness. 
um, and I know it's still happening, but kind of kind of walk us through what does it look like then in, in your own personal journey to kind of reconstruct your faith? Uh, so I made the decision when I started reconstructing, I would, I would seek out anything uh, spiritually driven. So whether it was Zen Buddhism to whatever, Judaism to Christianity, what, whatever I could get my hands on that I wanted to study and I wanted to see um, see if there was truth in it or see if there was anything that worked for me. Because basically when I walked away, what I realized was the faith that I was handed growing up and the faith that I grew up in for the circumstances that I went through didn't jive. It just didn't work. It didn't have the answers. And I had been taught that it would have the answers. Hmm. And when it didn't have the answers, that really screwed me up hmm. because I thought, okay, I've got to find something uh, that has more answers in this, or at least can answer something. And so when I started reconstructing, I really started diving into anything that I could. And so honestly, the best thing I did, uh, man, this was five years ago. And I talked to, I talked the, uh, one of the coaches I was with at Slayton into doing it with me, it was called atheism for Lent. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's, uh, I mean, essentially what that is, is you study atheistic, atheistic uh, authors or you know tenants or these concepts every day for Lent and there's actually a, a philosopher that does it like he he has this program and um, it, it's awesome it was amazing it was probably one of the best things that I could have done because it really helped me understand that uh, that my need for certainty was probably the worst thing for my faith hmm and so, wait, I'm sorry. I'm like, can you say that one more time? Cause I think that's so good. Can you say that one more time? Yeah, my need for certainty, it was detrimental for my faith. Yeah. Like, especially for my spiritual journey. And I think it's something that like, if you grow up in the church in America and especially in the South and my experiences with church in the South, cause I've never, like we lived in Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, right? I'm stuck in the South. Yeah. We don't hold Oklahoma against you. Yeah. So I loved Oklahoma. <laughs> well, I loved where we were at the geography <laughs> of where we were so close to Arkansas. It was gorgeous. Um, very not like Lubbock <laughs> trees and rivers and life. Wait, uh, trees? It's not the desert. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So what I realized through going through that and then through just studying other, um, spiritual, uh, faith systems is that Christianity is really, or my experience with Christianity is probably the same true for you is that it's very certainty driven. Like we need, I think people desire certainty because it helps them uh, for Christianity, it helps them be okay with death, Mm. like having that certainty of what's next. Mm. Um, so I studied stoicism a lot and the Stoics and, um, their view of death is pretty different. Um, they're okay with death, but it's just a different concept of being okay with death. And um, that was like when I walked away from faith, honestly, that was the, that was my biggest fear. Like it really was, was death. Hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't walking away from God. <laughs> it was, okay, now I, like I, I genuinely like went to counseling because <laughs> I, I couldn't conceive what death looked like anymore. Like, so that because that certainty of the Christian idea of going somewhere else or escaping to a different place um, was not there anymore. Yeah. And I was okay it wasn't there. And then reconstructing my faith through that, I, I started coming to terms with um, 
my new beliefs on heaven and hell and, you know, reconstructing that system. And that was even scarier, you know, because what I once identified with so fully and had so much certainty about that certainty was now missing. And so that that was the hardest part for me. Reconstructing was being okay with not being certain. Mm. Yeah. I think that's so good, but I think, so I'm, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but one of the things I don't hear you saying, I, I don't hear that the church was really instrumental in any way in your reconstruction of your faith. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love Aldersgate. <laughs> no, no, it really wasn't. But it's because I wasn't present in a church. I mean, I think if I was maybe present in a community that, um, but I, I don't think I could have been at that time. I really don't. Right. So I think it would have been more detrimental for me because I just would have picked it apart. Right. So is it fair to say that in reconstructing your faith, you didn't feel like the church was um, a priority uh, in terms of how you put that back together? Yeah, that's accurate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's that's what I'm... Because again, I I think, like I said, there are chapters that are different, but I hear this story over and over mm-hmm. and over and over people. And I, and I appreciate you sharing your story um, today because I, I don't think that, that the story is that indifferent for so many people um, right. who've, who've been where you've been and, and are walking where you're walking. So, um, yeah, so um, talk to me about um, or talk to us about um, – did, did you feel or do you feel, because I know that this is an ongoing process for you, as it should be for all of us, do you feel like the church is um, supportive of your choice, uh, of your reconstruction? Do you, do you feel like, like, what is the perception you get from the church in terms of, I walked away literally from not only the church, but from faith. Right. I am reconstructing. Do you feel like the church is there to support you in that reconstruction? Or do you feel like more the church is there to judge you because you walked away and perhaps you're not reconstructing the right way? I don't know how supportive it is as a whole. Um, because, and, and this is from my experience, but I would dare to say most people, most people have similar experiences as we, like the, whatever church you're in, you are constantly affirmed with what you believe. Like it's, it's, um, you're constantly, there's constant affirmation, right? Which is good. Um, but the, the scary part for that with me and, and so my initial answer to that question would probably be no, because well, I think the church has probably progressed and is okay with questions, right? They are not always okay with where people come up in mm-hmm. terms of their answers to those questions, especially if it doesn't look like um, whatever denomination they're in, right? So if it doesn't line up with Catholic dogma, then Catholic church is probably not going to be okay with where they're lying, you know? Um, let's not say all churches are that way. But the majority, from my experience, um, probably aren't but I like it really does come back to uh, the idea that we need to be like we're not like we value what I here's what I learned is I I learned that I have to value contradictions like I I really have to almost consider them sacred in my pursuit of reconstruction Mm -hmm. um, rather than I think the church whether it does this intentionally or not I think it pushes the idea that contradictions are the opposition, right? And they're not the opposition. Like they are 
crucial, I think, to building a deeper faith. Um, I think sometimes we, or my, my past relationship with, with faith is that as I was growing, I thought I was growing more, but I was just growing deeper in my affirming of what I already believed. So I wasn't seeking out a contradiction and then being okay with that contradiction or even working through the contradictions in my life, right? So when I say contradictions, I don't just mean contradictions in scripture. I mean, like, so like circumstances that happen that don't your faith or what you know of your faith, it just can't explain. And so most people, what they do or they've been taught to do is say, well, you know, it's God's will. That's just the way it's going to happen. Or everything happens for a reason. You know, it's those kind of catchphrases that I think get pushed in. The scary part with that is there's no, there's no pursuit of, of what it really means or what you're really going through, you know? And so if we view contradictions as the opposition, we're not going to grow because when we have an opposition or when we have something that we can just say, well, that's Satan doing that, or that's sin, or that's this, we never have to look within ourselves to change. And so we really don't change we just get deeper in our affirmation of our faith system. Mm. So like a Baptist becomes a better Baptist because they stay in the Baptist faith for so long. When in reality, a Baptist should become a better Christian by digging and pulling apart the Baptist tenets of faith and seeing where it's failing to be Christ-like. And so I, I would dare to say most churches would not be okay with how I've reconstructed because some of the things that i believe now people are probably worried for my salvation. <laughs> I mean, that, that's just honesty, you know, that's without going into like the theological things of where I've reconstructed, but um, yeah, but it's because they're so certain of what they believe Yeah. rather than being like, okay, you've searched this out. Like this is, yeah, you're growing. Yeah. You know? uh, and I really appreciate your honesty. And, and you know, the, re- the reason we started this podcast really is because I feel like the church in general is really in a deconstruction and reconstruction process right now. And I don't mean theologically. Well, I do, I guess, mean theologically. But like, I think the church has a, is at a great crossroads with what's happening with this global pandemic and 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 people walking away from the church. I, I think I think we're at a place where the church has got to reconstruct as well. And um, so I think in so many ways it parallels someone's personal journey, which is which is why I'm probing that with yeah. you today. So um, and I think you're right. I think one of the things you said again is. So faith in and of itself is uncertainty, but mm. when we try to push harder, we try to push for more certainty right. rather than more uncertainty. Do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And from my experience in the church, and especially with church leadership, they don't push uncertainty because um, it's <laughs> it's almost like the guru wants to be the guru. You know what I mean? Like they, Like the church leadership from my experience, uh, like especially the churches I've been on staff at or been like deep within is that they want to, uh, they want to lead cause that's what they've been called to do. Um, but if they lead in a way that causes people to think for themselves, they're going to rely on that leader less. Right. Which is ultimately what we should really want. Right. Faith is like you eventually want people to like go start their own church. I mean, honestly, yeah. like in terms of like organic church growth and even just in terms of leadership, like we want, 
sorry, we want, um, you want people to outgrow you. I think the church does a great job of keeping people within a box of growth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they keep them in the same size pot. They never change. Like if you keep a plant in the same size pot, it's only going to get so big. Yeah. Because its roots can only grow so deep. And so, um, I think the church could do a better job of teaching people how to seek for themselves and then being okay with where they fall. Yeah. You know, that's good. I, I, so (laughs) I'm going to ask you a question. (laughs) You may want to say, I'm sorry, I'm not answering that question, (laughs) but, uh, I I think this is probably going to be the first, uh, episode of, uh, an appearance by Rustin Klafka on this podcast. So I'm going to ask you a question. So, what what does, current does this determine if it's the last? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think some of the things you may f- put on the table here at, to answer this question okay. may beg some future podcasts. So, oh, okay, sweet. Um, what what are some current issues in the culture, okay. uh, in the world we live in, in the context we live in, that you feel like the church is not doing a good job with? In other words, like we're pushing for more uh, certainty when really there's more uncertainty around some of the current issues in the culture we're living in. So just, you can just throw some of those out there. And then, like I said, we're we're probably going to bring it back. Practical issues. Yeah. Just practical issues. Like where's the church? um, Where would you say that today the church may be doing the same thing that caused you to walk away from the church or or kind of walk away from your faith even because we're not doing a good enough job with with those things in our culture. Um, I don't know. I, I do know. Uh, I'm trying to narrow it down. Like I, I think with any organization, there's probably a thousand things you could name that they should probably do better. But I, I really think, and we've been hitting on it a lot, like I think this idea of, like I think we should do a better job, and I say we, the church, Christians in general, or Christian leadership should do a better job of um, teaching people how to seek out their faith for themselves. I also think that we have to do a better job of teaching them uh, that how to walk through practical issues or like, like, um, Lorraine often tell me like, like, don't say anything controversial. Right. <laughs> she didn't say that today, but, but just in general. And for context, Lorraine's your wife. Lorraine's so. my wife. She's awesome. <laughs> and she, uh, um, you, you mentioned this earlier too, but like she served here as, as our, as our yeah. kids pastor for, for several years, did an awesome job. We must yeah. you know, miss her a lot, but, um, uh, and, uh, that, that's how I got to know you. You, you came, yeah. you came with her by default. And so, <laughs> so, but I don't, I don't think there's anything controversial, right? I, I think that's something that we say things are controversial so we can avoid them. I think the church needs to do a better job of really diving in and seeing why. Like, I, I think the church now probably does a poor job in terms of like social justice issues. So like the racial injustice issue within America, um, I think it could do a better job. I think... Even talking about just human rights and LGBTQ community in in that area, uh, I think the church is probably, I think we steer clear sometimes as a faith community because we, we're scared to, uh, we're scared that it's going to draw a line in the sand, but that, that goes back to, that's the way we've taught. We taught for so long that these are the things we're certain of, and we're scared to say, Hey, we may have gotten this wrong. Mm. Right. And, and so I think the church needs to do a better job of saying, 
we're going to keep exploring. And when we're wrong, we're wrong and we're going to change. Um, and I think they don't, I think the church as a body doesn't change enough. It, it's, it's almost unwilling to evolve because of where evolution is heading. Mm. But the church has been evolving for thousands of years. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we, can, we can do it with the big things like, well, slavery, you know, we justified it a hundred years ago. Right. But we, we can't justify it anymore because, well, it's because we've evolved as a people group and a community and a faith system and, and like evolving is like growth is tough, mm. you know, and, and most people avoid growth. And I think if people are avoiding growth, the, the communities that they're involved in will also avoid growth yeah. and they'll set it up in a way that they don't have to grow. They just have to be right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I personally believe the church is at a crossroads in the culture with with where sure. we're at. And I, I think um, to kind of maybe like uh, tie a bow on some of what you've been saying today, what I hear you saying is um, the reason the church doesn't handle these issues well is because we're not um, we're not willing to really visit the issue or admit that we're wrong and we would rather push more hard for, Hey, we're certain about this rather than, Hey, we can doubt this and we can have mm-hmm. uncertainty about this and we can sit down and have conversations about this. And I think that's what I hear you saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I heard a pastor on a podcast say this not long ago, maybe the last year he, he said that, um, kind of the way we organize faith is like a vending machine. Like, we go and we try to pick the right system or the right thing or whatever we feel is right. And we try to select the right one. And what we get is what we get. And that's what we go with. The problem is he says, we need to take a hammer to the vending machine. Mm. So what we really need to do is we need to tear down this system of, um, saying that we're correct on these things and then teaching people that they've got to seek it out for themselves. And then not only that, but, we're okay with where you land. Like, I think that's probably more important is the, the disclaimer that, Hey, if you don't land here, you're still valued in this body. We still want you here. We still need you here. Um, but, but my, (laughs) it's funny. I hadn't thought about this a long time, but even in my experience, like I got hired on the church staff at the church in the Metroplex because I thought differently. I got asked to resign because I thought differently. <laughs> so you see that like, yes, there's that issue. Like they wanted, like that was literally why they told me they hired me is because yeah. you don't always align with, you know, we felt right. like you're going to push us in a good direction. And I didn't. Yeah. You know, so, or I pushed too much for what they were comfortable with. Yeah. So what you're saying is the church often gives lip service to it, but when it really comes down to it, we, we don't want to face it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I, I mean, that's, it's hard to, so like when I was reconstructing and as I'm reconstructing, the hardest times for me in the years when it was the darkest was when I had to um, come to terms with probably people that I had hurt for the crap that I said that was all in the name of Christ. Mm, yeah, you know, like, good. and that was like, like I, I probably was a terrible person as a Christian at times trying to get people to believe like me Mm. when I should have been the opposite. And so that was, and coming to terms with why I did that was, was because I thought I was, I thought I was right and they were wrong. And so I needed to get them to think more like me, you know, and and we, I think the church has this thing where they say, well, you know, uh, 
everybody's welcome. You know, no perfect people. Like we're just like you. Um, but you got to believe this. Yeah. Right. There's always that, but you got to believe this. And if you don't believe this, you got to get there. Yeah. And then when you get there, like, okay, great. We're just going to keep. Yeah. You're there. Yeah. We, we say people belong, but really what we mean is if they believe what we want them to believe or like we believe. Yeah. Like we believe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So also uh, no, Rustin, there's probably that whole story, you know, and so many people's uh, story parallels your story. Some of the chapters may be different, mm. but there are also some people who are probably listening to the podcast whose, whose story is, man, they've been in the church ever since they can remember. Right. Um, they've loved the church ever since they can remember, still love the church to this day, and really have a hard time sometimes with having these kind of conversations. What, what, what would you say to someone who's listening who, whose story reads more like that? Um, one, it's amazing. Uh, I think that you're probably incredibly fortunate. Um, and the best way that you can grow your faith is by making significant or building significant relationships with people that don't think like you, Hmm. whether it's in the same Christian faith or whether it's outside of the Christian faith. Um, Uh, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people who used to think one way about homosexuality or homosexual, like gay rights, um, that then befriended and became close to people that are gay, right? And now everything has shifted because of the relationship, right? Because if we don't have a, it's almost as if, if you don't have a, somebody you care about that represents the opposing view you can't understand the opposing view. It's easy to push it away and say, well, they're wrong. You know, I've had this great, you know, I'm sorry that that happened to you, but you know, my, my walk with God has always been awesome and yada, yada, yada. I would also dare to say that if it's always been awesome and you still believe the way that you did when you converted in junior high to faith, you probably haven't grown very much. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard thing to say. Um, but that's a lot of that's through personal experience and knowing that if you believe the same way for 40 years, um, to me that as a person, that's scary because you're just digging heels into what you already believe, you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying all people haven't explored other ideas or concepts, but it's easy to push away the opposing view mm-hmm. and not give it credit yeah. or any sort of credibility. And so... I would say try to find people that don't look like you and talk like you and that aren't, you know, a member of this faith system and, and not only befriend them, but like really befriend them, like want them well. And like, if you don't have an atheist friend, you're, you're really doing yourself a detriment because I think atheists can teach us a lot about faith. Yeah. You know, I really appreciate your, your candor, Rustin. And, and, and honestly, that is, is where the vision for the pull up a chair podcast came from is to be able to pull up a chair with someone who may think, um, behave very differently than, than I do, or, or most of us do. Um, and, and to just have a very candid conversation, uh, about 
why you think that mm-hmm. way or behave that way, how you got there to appreciate your journey uh, or whoever's journey. And, and, and we've been challenging uh, anyone to do that, um, to, to pull up a chair with people and just have a conversation. I think so much of the tension that exists in our culture today over any issue is because we're not willing to pull up a chair and mm-hmm. have a conversation, uh, a candid conversation. And so uh, I appreciate you, you being willing to, to do that with us today. And, and like I said, I, I think this is probably just going to be your first of a couple of appearances <laughs> on the podcast because really we'd like to bring you back and delve into some of those um, topics that we talked about a, a little bit deeper. And sure. that's, that's what we're doing through the podcast. And so uh, any last, any last words, anything you want to share before we wrap up today? This is always the worst question for me because uh, <laughs> I never have a good answer until tomorrow. <laughs> no, I mean, not really. Like, like I would say my, probably the disclaimer is, you know, not, not everybody, like they're great people within the church. They're terrible people within the church, you know, just like with anything. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it, it's up to us individually to decide and be honest with ourselves with where we're at and what we need to probably dive into and work on and then not be afraid to, to do the work. I think a lot of people are afraid to do the work because they're afraid of where it's going to lead them. And, and I think if you're a Christian, doing the work is crucial because it's going to lead you deeper into a faith of understanding that you probably don't understand very well. And that's, that's a glorious thing. I think there's something very sacred about being okay with the mystery and the divinity of, of God is that it's just, we don't know, you know, and to say we're certain about anything for me right now, I, like, I want to say I'm a Christian. I don't know if I can. You know, yeah. and that's just me being honest. But I, I also know that I'm not certain of anything. And yeah. I, I, don't, I think if we all really were honest with ourselves, even if we grew up in the church and everything's been glorious, um, we're not certain. Mm. We're, we're just certain of what our pastors taught us or what we think our interpretation of the word is. And, and I think if we can learn to be okay with the mystery and uncertainty, I think we can learn to grow. And then out of that growth comes more empathy and more love and more caring and less of what we see in our world, less of I'm right, you're wrong. Get back with the signs, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, like yeah. it's a whole Facebook argument. Like, yeah. so if we can learn to love more through being okay with being wrong, I think that, I think that there's some power that comes along with that mm-hmm. for everyone, not just the church, but for people outside of the church. Yeah. So, so in your journey, do you think you'll be, uh, at a different place a year from now than you are today? Man, I hope so. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, if you talked to me a year ago, I was really, um, really heavily studying ideas and concepts in Zen Buddhism and learning about it and really learned to appreciate some things in it. And I, I think I think that area taught me how to pray again. Like, I haven't prayed in forever. And, and I think the idea of meditation and calming yourself so that you can connect with something spiritual has, has helped me. And so, man, I hope so. If not, if I'm still in the same spot, um, you need to call me out because I'm not, I'm not living what I'm preaching. Hey, you know, so I hope so. 
Likewise, if I'm if I'm in the same place <laughs> in a year from now that I am now, then you need to call me out on okay, that as well, deal. right? So 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 deal. So, Russin, thanks for your candor, yeah. for your authenticity, for your vulnerability, and um, uh, we'd love for you to dialogue with us. Um, you can do that. Uh, I know Russin well enough to know that he'd love to dialogue with you, and sure. so um, that again, that's the whole point of being able to pull up a chair and have a conversation with someone. So so feel free to dialogue with us, and hey, it's okay if if your views don't reflect what you heard here today, because um, because the view views expressed on this podcast will always reveal or, or express my views or the tr- or the views of Aldersgate Church. And, and that's that's okay. We're pulling up a chair and having some honest conversations. And so we appreciate you uh, doing that with us. And um, hey, check out Peak Movement. I encourage you to do that. Uh, see what it's all about. And I'm sure we'll have Rustin back with us another, another time. So thanks for joining us today.